Hey, good morning, Lamb of God family and friends and uh, visitors. We're just so glad to be with you today as we're worshiping the Lord. And uh, right now I want to have communion with you in just a minute. And what I've been doing starting last week is just sharing with you the seven ways that Jesus bled for us. Uh, what, what's important about this is that seven in the scriptures, as I mentioned last week, represents completeness and perfection. And so it's a symbol, it's a picture of how God's redemption and Jesus' work leading up to and through the cross was for our perfect and complete redemption. There isn't a single area of our life that Christ has not redeemed. And I think as we learn these things, we become equipped to then access what the Bible says is our living inheritance. And I don't want you to miss out on anything that God has done for you, that Jesus has purchased for you through his shed blood. Leviticus 17.11 says, It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. And so it's the blood of Jesus that has redeemed you and set you free. Okay, uh, Hebrews 9.12 says, He, Jesus, did not enter uh, the throne room of God by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once and for all by his own blood. Okay, and it says, thus obtaining eternal redemption for you and for me. So it's the blood of Jesus himself that has redeemed you and set you free. So last week I talked about the first uh, point of which he bled and that was in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was praying and taking on the weight of our sin and being crushed for our iniquities, being crushed for our sin. And it says that he was bleeding like drops of blood were coming from his brow. And I shared with you last week that Jesus took on our mental anguish so that we could have peace of mind and mental peace. Isn't that good? Mental peace, a sound mind. We can have peace because of what Jesus did for us. Today, the one I want to talk about is how Jesus was beaten, beaten for you and for me, causing bruising. Now, bruising is bleeding under the skin. And uh, this represents to me that there's all kinds of internal pain uh, that we have experienced in life. We've been hurt, uh, we've been ridiculed, maybe we've been rejected or labeled. Uh, or maybe um, there's just been things, sin against us that has really hurt us on the inside. And we have these wounds that, that you don't always see. And, and Jesus took upon himself our bruising so that we could be healed. There's not just physical healing in Jesus, but there's emotional, there's emotional and, and uh, mental healing for each and every one of us through what Jesus did for us. And so today I want to encourage you with this. It says here in Matthew chapter 26, Verses 67 to 68. They spat in his face and beat him, and others struck him with the palms of their hands, saying, Prophesy to us, Christ, who is the one who struck you? So we see that he was being beaten. And in Isaiah 53, verse 5, it says, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Aren't you thankful today that no matter what has been done against you, no matter what sin has been done against you, what labels, what hurt, what rejection that you and I have, have felt and our soul has hurt from, that there is healing and wholeness for us today through what Jesus did for us. Jesus, uh, in Psalm 23, David talks about God as his good shepherd. And Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And one of the things that the good shepherd does is restores our soul. And Jesus came to restore our soul. And so today as we take communion together, I just want to encourage you 
to let him restore your soul. Now, how this works is that if we have been sinned against, that we need to forgive. Jesus says that we need to forgive others as we have been forgiven. And when we forgive and we use that grace of God in us to forgive those who have sinned against us, then God begins to heal our hurts and our wounds and makes us whole. And so right now, if there's anybody that you need to forgive, I want to encourage you to forgive them in your heart. You can do that internally. You can say, Lord, I just forgive so-and-so, the situation, you know what it is. And I forgive them and I give them over to you. I release them into your hands, Lord, that I might receive a healing in my heart and my soul can be restored. So let's pray and let's take communion together, okay? Lord, I just thank you for this moment that we get to share together to take communion and to access our living inheritance in you. We thank you, Lord, that we have a sound mind. We have the mind of Christ. We have the peace of mind through what you did for us, Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Lord, I thank you that because you were beaten, because you were bruised, because you had internal wounds, Lord, that you bore, that we can be healed and made whole from all the hurts that we experience in our soul. And so, Lord, right now, we forgive all who have hurt us, who have labeled us, who have rejected us, who have abused us. Lord, we forgive because you have forgiven us that we might be whole in you. So today, Jesus, we take of this bread, which represents you. We take of this drink, which represents your blood. And we receive healing and wholeness right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take together. And let's drink together. <clears throat> thank you, Lord. God, we just thank you, Jesus, that your redemption for us is complete and it's perfect. Help us, Lord, to access all of your promises that we can be fully free and fully alive in you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody say amen. And before we get into our message, uh, can you just take a minute and uh, share this uh, live stream with somebody so others can join us and hear a great message on adversity. How do you advance through adversity? And as we do that, also give a shout out to somebody and, uh, and say hi to somebody that you see watching. And uh, let's give a three-word testimony today. Three words, what's God doing, what, what God has done, what are you hopeful for? Uh, let's just share three words of testimony to encourage each other as we go into our time of, uh, of our message on adversity. So again, good morning, everyone. I'm so glad to be with you again this morning as we celebrate the Lord's Day again together today. And uh, so welcome to our field trip. We're going on a field trip today. We're at Montrose High School, and uh, we're at the, the, the high school track where I spend a lot of my time as a coach, uh, you know, during the track season and also during the cross-country season. And uh, today I want to talk about adversity. And my, my message for us to consider is to advance through adversity. And we're all faced uh, with adversity. It's an everyday uh, life reality. You know, we have challenges. We have uh, curveballs in life. Uh, we're always faced with change. I think somebody once said the only constant in life is change itself. You know, everything's changing. There's always struggles. There's always trouble that come our way. And I just want to talk about what is a biblical perspective on adversity. Some of you may have been enjoying the uh, doc series on Michael Jordan and the, and the Bulls. 
Uh, and I, I've watched a couple of those episodes. And one of the interesting things about Michael Jordan is that when he was a sophomore in high school, as we learned through this docu-series, uh, he, he was cut from the high school basketball team. And that was a big deal to him. And he came home and he was crying and was brokenhearted. And uh, his mom said to him, well, Michael, if you want to be a basketball player, get out there and work hard and practice. And uh, so he faced that adversity and he went uh, and took his mother's advice to heart and just began to practice and work super hard. So much so that the next year when he came back as a junior, he not only made the basketball team, as you can imagine, but he became one of the highest touted high school basketball players in the nation. And he went on to become the greatest basketball player in the NBA history. Most people believe he is the greatest player ever. And uh, in the late 80s, uh, the Detroit Bad Boys Pistons were his arch nemesis. And uh, so the Pistons knocked the Bulls off in 1988, 1989, 1990. And finally, in 1991, after being beaten down three times in, in a row, uh, Michael Jordan and the Bulls decided they needed to be stronger. They needed to work out. They needed to stop getting beat up. And they faced all kinds of adversity uh, because the Pistons just kept beating them. But finally, in 1991, they, they overcame the Pistons and they went on to eventually winning six NBA championships. And my point of that is that adversity made Michael Jordan better. When he was a sophomore in high school, he faced that adversity, he learned from it, and he grew better from it. When he was a, a professional basketball player and the best at the time, he still faced adversity. And that adversity, because of the way he faced it, it made him better. And I think you would agree with me too that a lot of the times in life, we grow the best when we are faced with challenges and trials and adversity. And so today, just take a marriage for example. If you're married today, then you know all about adversity, right? If you're married today, you've learned how to manage adversity and how to grow through it. Because if you hadn't, you wouldn't be married anymore. And in our marriages, you know, uh, we, we, we learn things through conflict with each other. And we learn that actually conflict turns out to be a good thing if it's handled right. You know, we learn how to love each other. Uh, we learn how to forgive each other through, through, those, through those times of conflict. We learn how to see one another's perspective. We learn to become less selfish and more selfless. You know, there's so many things that we learn in marriage uh, that we couldn't learn without that conflict that we face. And we, we find if we stay, stick in it long enough that we become better because of it. You know, we break some old habits, we establish new patterns, we learn to see things from another person's perspective. And, uh, and so here's a little rhyme I wanna share with you. If, you. if you bail, you fail. When we're faced with struggles and trials and, and, and uh, hardships in life, the last thing we wanna do is just give up. And when we bail, we fail, but if we show up, we can grow up. And that's something I want you to, to keep in mind as we're facing different adversity in our world. So adversity really is all about perspective. And some people have the perspective like, oh, now look at what's going on, or oh, poor me, or what, what next bad thing is going to happen to me. But the Bible gives us a totally different perspective on adversity, which I want to challenge you with today, to have the right perspective on adversity. Um, and so you, we, we need to have that in mind with the big picture of what God is all about. And he has basically two big goals for us in our lives. And uh, number one is that he wants us to learn how to trust him. 
uh, fully trust in him. Okay, that's one of God's most important goals for your life. And the second one is that he wants you to become like him, like Jesus. And so that's called discipleship. We're constantly growing and forming ourselves into Christ. And so God wants us to fully trust in him. And now here's one of the things that we understand about the perspective on, on trials and tribulations, right? Uh, Romans 8.28 says that, uh, and we know that in all things, so everybody say all things, Okay? In all things, even when it looks bad, even when it's really tough, even when it's discouraging or it's a curveball, the Bible says we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And so we know that God is using all the raw material of life to accomplish his goals for us, namely that we learn to trust in him. And, and how, do we, how do we learn how to trust? Well, you got to have a reason to trust, right? It's just like, how, how do you learn how to love someone? Well, it's, it's easy to love someone who's loving you, but to, to learn how to love when, when someone isn't loving you, now you're going to actually learn, right? And God wants us to learn how to trust in Him. Now, I'm not saying that God causes bad things to happen to us, but I am saying that God uses all things to accomplish His good purpose in your life, and that is to teach us how to trust in Him. So not all things that happen to us are good, but God uses everything to our good. Can I get an amen? All right, now here's the other idea uh, that uh, we see in Scripture. James uh, chapter 1, verses 2 and 4. Okay, it says this. It says, Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds because something good is happening. So when we're facing adversity in life, God is doing something if we allow him to in us. And what is that that he's doing? It says here that, that because of the, the trials that we're going through, we know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And then perseverance, when it's finished, makes us complete and mature, not lacking anything. So what, what's happening here is God is building our faith in Him. When we go through hard times, when we go through challenges, when we go through trials, God is using that for, for us to build, like I call, a spiritual muscle, you know? It's like a faith exercise. And if you've ever lifted weights, you know how that works. You know, you begin with something small and you build your muscles up. And then after a time, you, you, you gain some, some ground, then you can put more weights on and you build up more and you can take on bigger tasks, right? More weight. And God is building our spiritual muscle. He's causing our, our faith to be exercised by learning that we can trust in Him. So no matter what we're going through, God wants you to lean on Him and trust in Him and believe in Him. And when you do that through the trials and tribulations, through the adversity that you're facing, you grow stronger and you grow better. And so that's our first thing I want to really share with you is that God wants us to learn to trust Him. I mean, I'm standing here on the track and this, this hurdle is kind of symbol, uh, sim symbolizes that. We all have hurdles to overcome. We all have mountains to, to get around in life. And God wants us to know that we can trust in Him, that He's with us, that He loves us, and He has the best in store for us at all times. Okay? The second main goal that God has for us is that we become like Him. And uh, when I think about that, I think about this verse in Proverbs chapter 17, verse 3. It says, The crucible for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the heart. And so um, God is the one who's testing our hearts. And when you put the, the silver to the crucible or the, the gold in the furnace, it removes the impurities, doesn't it? It begins to clean it out and make it more pure. And God 
does the same thing in our hearts. He knows us better than we even know ourselves. Uh, that's that's a, an amazing uh, fact is just to think about that. God knows me better than I know myself. And because of that, God uses the circumstances of life to test our hearts and to show us our true character and our convictions. I think of Peter. Remember Peter? Uh, he's having the last supper with Jesus. He's like, Jesus, I'm with you all the way to the end. I'll die for you, Jesus. And Jesus turns to him and says, Peter, you're not quite where you think you are, right? Um, you, I appreciate your, you know, your vote of confidence there and, and your, you know, your willingness to do that, but you're actually going to deny me. And he's like, no, I won't, Lord. I'm with you. I'm all the way. And then within a couple of hours, G, uh, Peter actually denied Jesus three times and he failed. Now, uh, did Peter fail? Yes. Was he a failure? No, because he got back up and Jesus restored him. And remember when Jesus restored him, he asked him three times, hey, Peter, do you love me? He says, yes, Lord. Do you love me? Yes, Lord. Do you love me? Yes, Lord. And Jesus and God is gracious to us. And he's not trying to trick us. He's not trying to get us to fail. He's not trying to prove that we're, we're no, no good. He's doing just the opposite. He lets the circumstances of life test our heart. And then he comes alongside of us and shows us, hey, this is where you need to grow. This is something I want to do in you. This is a new way for you. I want you to behave or think. I want you to be free from this thought. I want you to trust in me and I want you to become like me. And Peter was restored and he grew in his faith and he became a martyr for Jesus later in his life. And he actually did what he said he was going to do for Jesus. And you and I, we're not to be perfect. Don't worry about perfection. We should be focusing not on being perfect, but on becoming. We should be focused on growing in the Lord. And every adversity that we face, every challenge that we have, that's an opportunity for us to become more like Jesus. That's what I want to encourage you with today. I go back to the marriage idea. And, um, you know, how much better would it be if just in our marriages that we are focused more on becoming like Jesus instead of arguing with our spouse? or instead of proving who's right or who's wrong, instead of looking at our, our, our differences of opinions as a competition, we begin to say, God, why, why am I struggling here? And we say, what do you want to do in my heart? What changes do you want to make in my life? And uh, how can I become more like you? If we do that, 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 that's what God's trying to accomplish in us is this life change, this heart change on the inside where we become like Jesus. And now we begin to love each other and we're not trying to love ourselves. And that's the challenge of this message is to realize that God wants us to fully trust in him and he wants us to fully become like him. Now, when we trust in God, we become more blessed. Um, you know, as I, I think about trusting the Lord with my finances, then God releases his finances into my life. And I'm, I'm more blessed. When I trust in God with my marriage, then I begin to experience more blessing. When I trust in God with any area of my life, then I begin to walk into the blessings that God has for my life. But when I become more like him, then the other people around me become blessed. And that's, that's what God's plan is for your life. And I, I think it's interesting that um, God has a plan for my life and I have plans for my life. But if I would align my plans with God's plans, my goals with God's goals, uh, I'm, I'm telling you that God's plan and God's goals for our lives are far superior than the best plans and the best goals we will ever come up with on our own. Because when we fully trust in God, it releases all of heaven's resources into our life. We, when we put God in control by trusting in him, then God 
can, can release his power, his presence, his provision, his limitlessness into our lives because we're trusting in him. We're not controlling it. And when we become like him, now God is free to flow through us to bless others. And as we become that instrument of blessing to other people, we are blessed. And we see the change in the people around us because of what God's doing in us and through us. And it gives us greater significance than we would ever have pursuing some selfish ends on our own. And so um, I'm, also, uh, I'm also thinking of Thomas Edison. I, I love this quote. When Thomas Edison was, was, uh, uh, was interviewed and they said, hey, Thomas Edison, you know what? what uh, tell us how, how frustrated were you when you failed 10,000 10, times at doing a light bulb? And he says, oh, I didn't fail 10,000 times. I learned 10,000 ways not to make a light bulb. And there's so much in that that God wants us to learn is to persevere in our becoming like him, to grow through every challenge and, and every opportunity in life. When I think about tests back in school um, and I, I think about how you would get certain answers wrong, the goal in school isn't supposed to be that you just pass, but that you learn. And every time that we take a test and we see what we don't know, that's our opportunity to grow and to learn. And I want to encourage you just to be a grower, be a learner. Always be looking for what God wants to teach you. And so if you're in a challenging time right now, if you're facing an adversity right now in your marriage, your finances, your job, with a boss, with your kids, with your health, doesn't matter what it is, whatever it is, ask these kind of questions. Say, hey God, what, what, how can I learn to trust you more in this? Is there anything that I'm controlling that I need to give over to you? Or ask this question, God, what are you trying to teach me through this? Remember, the, the, the circumstances uh, most likely hasn't come from God, but guaranteed God will use that to, to make you better and stronger and bigger in Him and more like Him. And so that's, that's what I want to encourage you with today as we talk about how do we advance through adversity, right? We can't ignore adversity. We can't ever hope that we're not going to have it. We're going to have it. But let's not just fall away when adversity comes. Let's press through it and be stronger. So we're on a track here, and I spend a lot of time coaching kids here, and it's one of my passions in life. And on this track, as we stand here, we've put, I've, I've enjoyed seeing dozens and dozens of, of my athletes compete, and not only compete, but practice. And when they practice, uh, I have three things that I often will share with them about practicing because a lot of times when we show up on the track, it's not going to be an easy practice. It's going to be an adversity situation for them. They know that they're going to go through some pain. They're, they're going to experience some difficulty. They're going to be breathing hard. They might cramp up. They might fertilize the grass a little bit, if you know what I mean, from the harshness of the workout. But here's what I, I always challenge my athletes to, re, to remember these three attitudes about growth and about practice in life. Now, when, when I talk about this, I want you to think about the challenges in life that you're facing. Because a lot of what we do in sports is relatable to what we do here in, in, on the track and in, in the sports that I get a coach. Uh, and one of the things is this, that growth is a choice. Growth is a choice. And when my athletes come out here, and if we had a beautiful day like this, it'd be a lot more enjoyable than if it was cold or rainy or windy. But when we come out on the track and we're doing a hard workout, I challenge my athletes, listen guys, don't go through the motions. 
Don't try to pick the uh, path of least resistance, but I want you to get after it today. I want you to dig deep. I want you to break through the mental barriers, the physical barriers, the emotional barriers, but it's your choice. I can't make you do it, but I'm challenging you to win in the workout today. To, and by winning, you do what you need to do and you, and you give it your very best. So growth is a choice. When we're facing stuff in life, we have a choice to show up, to grow up, or we can bail and fail, right? And so whatever we're dealing with right now, I'm challenging you to show up and to take on that, that challenge and to put your trust in God and to lean into it and see what you can learn and grow and change as a result of that, okay? The second thing about growth is it's incremental. You know, if I wanted to lift weights and become a power lifter or something, I can't just decide one day, I'm gonna go into the gym and lift for 12 hours and come out looking like Arnold Schwarzenegger. I mean, it doesn't work that way. And our spiritual maturity doesn't work that way either. We can't just have one day where we just go all out and give it everything we got, we need to do this consistently. One day at a time, we need to press in and trust in the Lord. One day at a time, we need to learn and grow and make a change. And that's the same way with our runners. I tell them, if you show up today and you win today, that's all you can do. You can't do anything about yesterday. Can't do anything about tomorrow, but let's win today. And tomorrow, when tomorrow gets here, let's win again. And if we can stack a couple of those wins together, you're going to start to see some improvement. You're going to start to grow. You're going to start to reach, you know, uh, levels that you never thought you could do because it's consistency and one day at a time. And the third thing about growth is it's pretty cumulative. It's awesome that it builds up. It builds up over time. And uh, there, there's a saying that says you, you can't mature in a day, but you can mature every day, right? You can grow a little bit every day. And uh, I want to challenge you today with whatever you're facing, that you can overcome it. You can grow through it. You can be better because of it. And God is with you. He's for you. He loves you. And you've got all of the angels and all the hosts of heaven cheering you on to run your race to the finish line. As I wrap up this message today, uh, I'm standing in front of this... uh, rock in, in the front of the high school, which our cross-country team had a chance to paint this year. And uh, man, we had one of the, the greatest seasons that I've ever coached before, but it was so hard. And um, I think if you ask every one of our, our runners this year, uh, if they regret all the hard work or all the, all the difficulties that they had to go through to get there, I don't think a single one of them would have said, yeah, I wish we would have never have done that. Because, uh, because they had a goal, you know, and they had a prize, and, and it was all worth it. It was all worth it. I just wanna share with you as we close this message, no matter what you're going through, or what you will go through in life, because we will all face adversity. We, that's just a part of our life. And just to remember that there's a bigger picture and there's a bigger prize for all of us. Paul says that we run a race. He says, and run in such a way that you get the prize. And the prize is becoming more like God and trusting in God because as we do those two things, just learn to trust in God and learn to become like him, let him mold us into his image. We truly come alive, but it's not just a benefit to our life here and now, but it is a benefit in heaven. And our prize is a crown of glory. And it's worth it. It's all worth it. 
I want to encourage you to be a person of faith, to be a person who grows, to be, be a person who seeks God and, and uh, takes on every challenge in life, knowing that God is with me, God's for me, God's got my back, God's in control, and I, I am, I'm going to get the prize. I'm going to run my life in such a way as to get the prize. And a big part of that prize is living your life in such a way that it just begins to have a great impact on those around you. That's when you truly let your light shine. And that's when you truly begin to see the significance of your life in the hands of God. And so may all of us shine brightly for Him. And I want to pray for you, especially those of you who are going through a real hard time right now. I just want to pray for you that God would give you fresh strength in this time of adversity that he would speak to your heart and show you a greater purpose or a greater thing that's going on in you and, and that you would see what God wants you to learn or grow from, that your faith would be strengthened in him and that you would persevere, okay? So God, I do pray for each one of us, Lord, this, this morning as we're watching this uh, with family and friends or if we're by ourselves. Lord, whatever challenge we're facing, God, I just pray for wisdom from heaven. God, that we don't miss anything that you want to teach us. Lord, that we, we don't stay in any uh, trouble longer than we need to. But Lord, that we don't miss what you want to accomplish in our heart and in our faith. Lord, that each one of us will continue to grow, will choose to grow. Lord, we will grow consistently every day. And that, Lord, that we will see a great cumulative growth in our lives as we seek to follow you each and every day of our lives. May we shine in such a way, God. May you do such a great work in our hearts that we have a great impact on those around us for your glory, for your kingdom sake. Lord, we, we look forward to our prize of eternal life in you. May we run our race with perseverance. May we run our race for the prize. And may, Lord, we get those words when we cross the finish line one day. Well done, good and faithful servant. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, let me, let me pray a blessing on you. And uh, before I do, again, hang on, hang on there because Ryan's coming with another children's message today. It's going to be great and encouraging for our kids. I want to invite you all to stick around and watch that too. And just keep loving God, keep loving each other, and keep growing in your faith, okay? So now let's just receive the blessing of the Lord today. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. May you have the eyes of God to see what God wants to do in your life, even now, whatever situation you're facing. May you see it with the eyes of faith and may you be better and stronger for it as you rely on him for all things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. I love you guys. We'll see you soon.